This podcast contains explicit content. Hardly focused presents. I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think the Jack and Jack show. Jack. Well, that's just fucking doodle dandy. Zach. Give me some bull, relative. You are listening to the Jack and Jack show. The balance beam. Hey, and welcome to another installment of the Ack and Jack show with 100% less Ack and 200% more Zach. Hello? Yes. Hello, Zach. How are you? Yeah. No. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I feel like I, uh, this is, I, I feel like every year it gets both extremely fast and extremely painfully slow. Yeah. Cause like I, it feels crazy that we are like a week out from Christmas and I feel like we just started this month. That is something that happens when we get older. Time just, goes I by don't like it. <laughs> I just think about how, uh, it sounds cliche, but how things that quite literally felt like a month ago actually happened three years ago, back in the yeah, per- see, in the before times. I can tell that um, elderly Zach is not going to be very. Uh, I honestly can't tell what elderly Zach's going to be like, just because you know I have complex ADHD, so I'm only now starting to realize how quickly. Uh, my brain operates sometimes like sometimes I'll be in conversation with someone and realize that I'm like drawing like eight different conclusions before like they've even like finished their sentence (laughs) and I'm like wow this is just gonna get worse (laughs) I hope you grow to become one of those delightful elderly black men that you see in the in the films like uh I'm going to throw an obscure name out here, an actor named Bill Cobbs, who you've probably seen him in many things, uh, usually is in bit parts, but I uh, I think you will uh, grow up to be him. Or maybe John Amos from uh, Good Times, the patriarch of Good Times. Uh, I kind of just see myself like there's an anime trope of like the uh, the crazy old man that just like. <laughs> says and does really crazy things and then just randomly has like moments of like luminal clarity where it's like oh what the fuck was he actually paying attention this whole time you and don't then just he, goes back to- yeah don't mess with them don't you don't mess with those types because they are wise and they know what's going down so that'll be yeah, you. i see myself I, becoming one of those i will i will seek you out for wisdom uh, hold on. Let me click this button right here. I forgot to do that before we started recording. Recording in progress. That's for the video. That's not for the audio. We have been recording audio this whole time. Oh, oops. We are well, we are a professional uh production here. So I mean, hardly focused <laughs> to the name. <laughs> well, anyway, Zach, you are a metalhead. Yes. And uh, how do you feel about Metallica? 
I mean, like, I, I can appreciate what Metallica has done, but, like, I definitely, um, I definitely just don't find myself listening to Metallica. Like, I mean, I'm kind of weird when it comes to music anyways. Like, usually, usually I like to listen to the stuff that's, like, you know, inaccessible. Like, I don't like it when it's something that I hear all the time. I get bored of music really easily. Like, I get bored of hearing the same thing. Like, even when it comes, like, to, when it comes to music, like, I don't even just, like, listen exclusively to metal. So, like, I, I jump around to different genres. So, like, and in particular, I just kind of find Metallica a little boring now. Like, especially because I like a lot of, like, the tech death and, um, you know, crazy alternative metal. Would you agree or disagree that some of the bands that you are into, I remember you being a big Opeth fan, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that Metallica was a big influence on bands like that? I would say so, though probably more so like bands like Iron Maiden and like Death, um, Veil of Maya, like bands like that. Um, I think the Veil, I can't remember how old Veil of Maya is, so I might be misspeaking there. Don't quote me on that. But like, I don't know, I, I definitely feel like those are formative bands, but um, I know also metal bands, like usually if you like look, pretty service level you can find like who they actually like like what their interests are and in particular michael Ackerfeld loves um a lot of like he has a very obscure music taste but i'll probably go off on a tangent because <laughs> i'm sure that you ask these questions for a reason uh with the band death that you mentioned uh i think i'm familiar with all the the three initial bands that you mentioned in response but death i think i'm most familiar with um I think there's a couple of incarnations of a band called Death, but the one I'm thinking of is the one that had the late Chuck Schulinger. The the, the yeah. band itself, I don't believe, has been active in about 20 years now. Oh, no, no. Uh, well, I do bring this up because, uh, as you may or may not know, on this show, I like to make fun of Lars Ulrich, who's the bassist from Metallica. Yes, I appreciate this. And uh, Lars is known for being difficult and talentless. And, uh, well, that, that, that's just it. That, I guess, <laughs> sums it up perfectly. Uh, L- Lars is just not regarded as a competent drummer compared to his contemporaries. Uh, he is been described as just bland and uh, not inspired. And you'll, you'll hear that a lot, even from, uh, I mean, I, there are Lars apologists out there. I'm not one of them. Um, I, I, I find I've been playing drums for 20 years. Right. And I find that Lars's stuff is actually pretty basic and I'm not a metal player i'm not my metalhead in the least but i do find that his oh, his, yeah. his stuff is very basic well i would even say like if i would think of like a good well-rounded metal band that i would just suggest to someone is especially like if they're just trying to get into metal i would suggest mastodon because like oh, yeah. pretty much 
everyone in that band is just good at what they do. And like, no matter where you start in their discography, you're probably going to find something that you like and grab onto. And um, I can't remember if that's, I think, is it, I can't remember if it's Brand Daler that's the drummer. If I'm getting the names wrong. But like the drummer of that band, like, oh, that. That is just like that's what I think about when I think of like good a good drummer. But like I I notice for me in particular, I don't know if you caught this theme for yourself, but a lot of the music that I like seems to take a lot of elements from jazz and blues. Like when it comes to rhythm, if a song doesn't have some kind of jazz element, like doesn't have that kind of tempo to it, usually I just get bored. Right. So like whether it's like electronica or indie or something i usually like something that has like some sort of jazz element because just it has it's driving and like has motion it's rhythmic it's interesting you know keeps my brain there uh brand daler too one of the uh few i mean subjective term few but you don't see many drummers out there who are also doing lead vocals doesn't always happen, and he's one of them. Although I know Mastodon has has multiple vocalists. Are you familiar with a band called Fiend Without a Face? No, no, it doesn't sound familiar. So that's Brett Hines's like side project, and uh, he he has this amazing cover that he did of Def Leppard's uh, "Bring It On" the heartbreak, and it sounds like this. much of that but it is a very good cover and it's very very much Bren when you can hear his voice kick in uh, I I do like um, when uh, bands end up doing um, covers of like songs like uh, ignoring the whole pop punk thing because I like I hated all of that and continue to hate all of that um, <laughs> but um, like I don't know I, I would if you I don't know if you want to play this or not, but um, one of my favorite metal bands, Silosis. Anybody else that likes metal, metal, like that's definitely a great band to get into. Um, they did a Smashing Pumpkins um, cover, the song Zero. It's actually really good, and like um, I just like their their take on it. Uh, hold up. I can cue that up, and it sounds something like this. I think I like this better than the 
<laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not into this kind of stuff either. Nice, nice. Well, thank you for introducing me to that. wasn't wasn't familiar. Oh yeah. So. Um, I was actually thinking too. Uh, a couple episodes back, you were talking to Ak about uh, Radiohead, and he in particular mentioned the song uh, "Climbing Up the Walls." And like <laughs> feeling so weird about that song, and like I don't know if this speaks to me, but like I remember, like I mean, it kind of like it, it really does speak to the uh, life I I live now in some ways. But like that was like one of the first songs that was like, oh, I really like this song. This song's awesome, and um, just li- remember like listening to the lyrics it was just like, oh, actually, is this kind of fucked up? Ooh, oh wait. Oh, I don't know what this means, but then I've always really liked like dark, darker sounding music and like more visceral sounds and like, um, especially, um, I feel like I'm one of those people where like you know I can sleep in static noise or like like fan noise or like I need that like that like so I like a lot of sound and like it's also really funny because I never even uh, uh, thought that I would like metal or any of this kind of music and I actually had to gain an ear for it before I even could like understand or listen to a lot of it. Um, and I feel like, uh, it is a hard and right things to kind of start with. You can kind of like work your way up to the more like technical insanity kind of, things but that's what i mean when i say that metallica really is like you know they're like a foundational kind of band at this point to me and like there's so much out there like i wouldn't like it's almost like it's it's almost like people saying to you yeah you know like one of my like you know influences is the beatles is like really (laughs) one of your influences is really the beatles now you don't say like fuck off yeah uh, Fuck off! Seriously, though. Here's uh, what you were just referencing when Ak was talking about Radiohead because I put it uh, into a production piece, and it sounds like this. Hardly focused presents the Ak and Jack show. Now imagine barely pubescent Ak pre-speech therapy. So my lisp was atrocious. I'm Scott Matheson. I've got a lisp and I've got diabetes. Fifteen days to the back of your head. <laughs> This is the worst memory of my fucking life. You are listening to The Ack and Jack Show. Sometimes I wonder, why do I have severe self-esteem issues? And then I remember that and I go, oh yeah, they're well-deserved. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a story I can toss on to that because I have a lot of moments sort of just like in hindsight. I'm just like, why did I do that? Um, story of my I life, remember- dude. <laughs> I remember um, this is actually in our theater program back in Grafton uh, after one of like the, I forget what show it was. I think it might have been, I think it actually might have been uh, while the lights are out. Oh, hell um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember um, featuring Megan me. was having, yes, 
I remember Michael was having us like, you know, like sing and like see if we could like, you know, actually do anything. And the song that I chose to sing was a song by a band called Porcupine Tree. Um, and I believe the song I sang was Blackest Eye. Yeah. Um, now, if you want to pull up the lyrics to that song, just like the first couple lines are very um, not – I don't know if I just fully just didn't grasp the meaning of these words and these phrases, but I really liked the way that um, Stephen Wilson sung them. So I was like, you know, this is a great way to showcase how I can sing. But in hindsight, with the response that I got, the fact that Megan very quickly told me, was like, all right, that's good, that's enough. Don't sing anymore. You're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, Just, it's it's a uh, it was bad. I'm picturing the therapy session scene from Austin Powers when Doctor <laughs> Evil's like talking about his traumatic childhood, and Carrie Fisher just goes, "We need to stop." Uh, so the 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 lyrics are: um, a mother sings a lullaby to a child. Sometime in the future, the boy goes wild, and all his nerves are feeling some kind of energy. A walk in the woods, and I will try. Something under the trees that made you cry. It's so erotic when your makeup runs. Uh-huh. And then, and then uh, I got, like, halfway into the, the chorus. It was like, I got wiring loose inside my head. I got books that I never, ever read. And she I got you. secrets in my garden shed. I got it. Yeah, and then, yeah, you know, that's... Um, I didn't realize... I didn't realize that I was... Oh God! I didn't realize what I was singing it's, at all. So, and I and I feel like I'm about. Well, actually, when Ack was uh, telling that story about the Radiohead song, I think I told this anecdote. I'll share it again. Uh, back in middle school, we had to uh, recite. There was like that poetry contest that like everyone had to involuntarily take part in, and. Um, you could do lyrics to songs so long as you didn't sing them. And I remember I, cause my father was like, sits me down like the night before and he goes, okay. And because I was a terrible student and had no um, ambitions for anything and just didn't care. So my father sits me down and he's like, okay, so we need to, uh, we need to figure out what you're going to do for this contest. Like, what are you going to recite? <laughs> my first choice was Polly by Nirvana. Hmm. And uh, oh boy, did I receive some licks and some lashes. Old Pop was not happy I picked that one. <laughs> but I wanted to recite it. I wanted to go with it. That would have been great. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been over well. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so uh, Lars from uh, Metallica. So first and uh, foremost... This is one of my favorite pieces of Lars audio. It's him attempting to explain to some fans, I think backstage at a Metallica show, how you get the snare sound from their album, St. Anger, which is coming up on 20 years. Oh, no, it's St. Anger. Coming up, uh. coming up on almost 20 years since that album came out. And uh, here's Lars explaining to fans how you get the snare drum sound for uh, that album. 
This is how you take a normal, good sounding snare drum and turn it into the, the complete um, abortion of St. Anger. Okay, sure. you ready? Right. So it's, what you do is you disconnect. You see that thing right there? Yeah. That's called the snare. That's the actual snare. So, um... Rock and roll? St. Anger. That's simple. All you gotta do, man. Why? Why you got your head in the palms with your hands, man? It literally sounds like you know when you hit, like when you when you like accidentally hit a window. Like that's just like that. That it just has that tone to it. It's just like doom. It's like that does not sound like a snare anymore. It just sounds like you ruined the drum. That's what it sounds like, man. You just gotta turn the sneers off. I mean, it, that noise sounded very, like, steel drum-y. Like, I would imagine that to be in, like, some, like, a, in, like, a Caribbean song. See, what I was trying to do, man, I was trying to emulate the sound of hitting trash cans. But instead of using actual mic'd up trash cans, I just, I, I turned the snare wires off on my snare drum. Saint Anger was a horrible album. <laughs> <laughs> Had a couple of decent songs on it. I was always partial to Dirty Window. That that wasn't a bad song, but um that was like the how how odd, Dirty Window, and that sound sounds like someone punching a window. <laughs> I think it's Dirty Window that uh begin like it, it actually begins with uh, like nothing but the snare drums. Let me let me see if I'm mistaken. That's what I should have called for a sound drop instead of this. Yeah, good good choice, man. Uh, well, anyway, uh, so this is from Louder.com, Loudersound.com, I'm sorry. Uh, we asked artificial intelligence to review Master of Puppets, and now we may be out of a job. So AI, I mean, we talked a lot about AI in uh, a, a couple episodes ago when we had our voice guy, Adam, here. Mm -hmm. And um, I know Nate was messing around with, I can't remember what it was he was using to pull up. Um, like AI anecdotes. It might have been Chat GPT. I, I'm not sure, but uh, Louder Sound used AI to discuss Metallica. Mm. So they asked AI the AI the question: Review Metallica's album Master of Puppets unfavorably, emphasizing the drumming of Lars Ulrich. Now I want I want to be clear here. They do not specifically say anything about Lars's drum work. The prompt to the AI is review the album Master of Puppets unfavorably, but pay special notes to the drums. And again, they do not they they don't give anything away about the drums other than just like pay attention to the drums. So this right here is what the AI had to say about Lars Ulrich's drumming while master of pulpits is considered a classic album by many fans of metallica 
it's not without its flaws. One aspect of the album that is often criticized is the drumming of Lars Ulrich. Ulrich's playing on the album is often described as simplistic and uninspired, lacking the complexity and skill of other drummers in the thrash metal genre. His performances in songs like Battery and Leper Messiah are particularly underwhelming, with repetitive, basic patterns that fail to elevate the music. Additionally, Ulrich's decision to use a lot of triggered, artificial-sounding drum sounds in the album has aged poorly and detracts from the overall listening experience. This is particularly noticeable in tracks like Master of Pulpits and Damage, incorporated where the drums lack warmth and punch. In short, while Master of Pulpits is an important album in the history of Metallica and the thrash metal genre, the drumming of Lars Ulrich is a weakness that holds it back from being a truly great record. Come on, man. Don't trust computers, man. They'll always let you down. Just like snare wires, man. Put the snare wires down, man. So, like, the funny thing is, even though I know that... My basic understanding is that how all the AI stuff works is that it's an aggregate of whatever it can pull. So I'm assuming that's an aggregate of general comments that it could find online of Lars's drum playing. But the funny thing to me is that I've always kind of felt, in general, that metal music especially is, like, the energy and drive behind it a lot of it is coming from the drums. When the drums are doing some crazy stuff, like it just kind of drives the energy of everything else. It makes whatever the like the guitar is doing kind of sound a lot more interesting. And not knocking guitars, I love interesting guitars, but like when it comes to fundamentals of music, like a really powerful drummer brings a lot of energy to a song that otherwise wouldn't be there. And that's why, like, I use Mastodon as a good example of, like, oh, yeah, if you want to, like, understand a good example of, like, what kind of metal can offer to you now, look at Mastodon look at their discography because, like, they were pretty well-rounded. And, like, there's a lot of songs where, like, like um, they have that. Um, so I got to find it funny that the AI is um, uh, reading him so hard. Uh <laughs> Are there any songs or uh, bands you can think of where the drummer or the drums just uh, overdoes it and, and actually detracts from the overall song? Overdoes it. Hmm. I can't think of like any good example that's not like them intentionally trying to make a joke. Okay. Like, I find most of the time, like, if a band is allowing the drummer to go crazy, they can go along with whatever the drummer is doing. At least it comes to the music that I tend to listen to. So, but I don't know. That's a good question. I'm what sure about, there's like, examples. Uh, like Blink-182, for example? I, I feel like that's probably a good example. And I know like, you, you, you took a dig on my pop punk music earlier, but like <laughs> Travis is, I mean, Blink-182, everything about Blink-182 is simplistic except for the drums. The drums in Blink-182 songs are like the equivalent of like, but uh, this is what I mean. Guitar this is what I mean. Every other like great like rock song. 
So I will say this, like, even though I, I would classify Blink-182 as music that, you know, it's accessible to me, so it's like, I probably wouldn't go out and look for it, but if it's on, it's not like, like you know, I'm not enjoying what I'm listening to. Um, but I find it interesting, and like, that's um, more of the point that I was getting at, is like, when you have interesting, you know, cohesive technical drum work, it makes whatever it else that you're listening to more interesting to listen to. If you have boring drums, then like, you know, um, that's uh, kind of what you're going to get from the rest of the mix. Yeah. Like conversely, I know a lot of people love Tool um, and like bands like that. Um, and like, I appreciate those bands too, but I find that their general motif is like a lot slower, a lot like they're more of that like um, sludgy, like grudgy, like grindcore kind of like, you know, just kind of going. I don't really know how to describe it, but like I don't like that as much because I like movement. I like, you know, up tempo. I like a lot of complex time signatures and fast changing things, but um, there's just a lot more that you can do, and I find it very interesting um, that 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 he intentionally did that to the sneer sound. Yeah, uh, Blink One Eight Two. Going back to them, so they have a new album that they're recording right now, and they've already released one song from it, and it's it's interesting and at least from this one song and then with some of the videos Travis Barker has been releasing a lot of videos of him recording so it's been like 15 to 20 second long snippets of what he's been recording and it's very scaled down for Blink-182 for Travis Barker I mean they are they are very Travis-esque uh, uh, beats that he's doing, but they're not all over the place like you've heard in in uh, previous albums of theirs, and not even just blank stuff, but like what he's been doing with Machine Gun Kelly and just some of the other artists he's been collaborating with. And it's, I, I'm just thinking like, it, can Blank actually put something out where all every single component of the song is simple? And accessible. I mean, obviously, got to be accessible. And mind you, this single that they have out right now, "Edging," has been like number one on the alternative charts for many weeks now. It's, it's. I think we're at the point now where it's actually breaking records for how long it's been on the top of the charts. But it's very simple. It's very, it's very accessible. But Tool is. I just like. I like Tool, but I'm just. There are people out there that are massive fans of the tool and it's just not me mm-hmm. i just i've never i i i'll listen to i'll listen to them i listened to that album they put out last year or whenever it was but it's just not something i could ever get into and i i respect danny carey as a drummer he's a very good drummer but i've watched drum cam videos of him and i'm like man this is just like i'm spending more time trying to figure out exactly what he's doing and the time signatures and just trying to like record every note in my head. And it's just, it's more work than it needs to be. Well, I mean, that's why there's different schools of drummers, you know, there's different play styles and it really comes down what you're more comfortable to. It's not saying that, you know, 
you can't do something more straightforward and accessible and not have it be successful right um or good um it's really all a matter of preference and like i know for me i know what my ear likes to hear um and that's why you know there's certain bands where it's like you know i'm probably not gonna go out and look for that and there's certain bands like yeah i want to listen to that while i'm driving or i want to listen to that while i'm doing something it's like you know it's keeping me engaged but i also have the adhd brain so of course i want something where there's like a lot of fucking shit going on um (laughs) or or like i don't even like you know sometimes i just like i do like stuff that's like on the slower side too like i um i definitely um like have a lot of indie artists and like like singer songwriter types that I like listening to, mm-hmm. um, but like you know it all depends on the mood. Um, and I find I'm more of a mood music kind of person, anyways. Yeah, and I like also listening to music that fits what I'm doing, probably because I play video games and like RPGs all the time, where there's like background music for everything. So it feels like natural. I can't tell you how many times I've just been like in like the grocery store or like, you know, just going to work or like walking down a hallway and I'll just like in my head, I'll, I'll like replay like the, the, like the sound, like the footsteps sound files from like the games that I've played is like, oh yeah, that sounds like the actual footsteps. I guess because this is real life. God damn it. (laughs) This is, this is real life. That's why it sounds like a footstep, Zach. <laughs> the footsteps you're hearing are actually a snare drum with the snares turned off, man. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you ever listen to the Dillinger Escape Plan? Yes. So I, to this day, think it was one of the most bizarre combinations of Chris Penny from Dillinger Escape Plan joining Coheed and Cambria. It was such a, I think just for him, such a step backwards. Uh, and, and I liked, I'm like, I like Coheed, Kate obsessed with Coheed. I like them. Oh, everybody from like our, like our general age group was obsessed with Coheed. Oh yeah. And they're, I mean, they're still going very strong. And I got to tell you when they, during the, the lockdowns a couple years ago and everyone was like, when musicians were going nuts, Kohi just deciding, hey, let's write a sequel to someone else's song and releasing a sequel to Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. <laughs> and it was great. I love I didn't it. I didn't know they did that. Oh, I love it. And Rick Springfield was all over it and he's in it. He does a he does a uh, a cameo in it. He's in the video for it, but uh That's fun. That, and that's one of my favorite Coheed songs. And my favorite Coheed stuff is there's that, an album they did uh years ago that was just they just did they decided let's just release an album that's just a, a, a straight up just like rock album let's just not have it be part of any storyline let's just do a, a normal old album and then and it was great and then uh they that one album they did with chris penny because there are tracks on that album because like i i saw coheed once with chris penny and you could tell like he's he's doing everything Exactly as you hear it, it was Josh Shepard's recordings on the old Coheed albums, but you could tell he was uh, he was being held back, I think, creatively from what he could do. And then on uh, Year of the Black Rainbow, the only album that he played on, I'm pretty sure this is the track where it just starts off with him just going in full-blown Dillinger mode. 
Nah, it's not. Fuck, I always do this. I'm always trying to remember what Coheed song it is where it starts off with him just going straight up math rock. Still a good song, though. The Broken. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think he uh, it, it was just out of place. He, he was only in the band for... Um, he was only in the band for a few years before Josh Shepard rejoined and uh, everything they've put out since then has been decent. Your typical Coheed fair, with the exception of the sequel to Jesse's Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, you, you mentioned playing video games and listening to music, and I'm the type who needs to if I'm going to play music while I'm playing a game, there two things need to happen. One, it's got to be a game that I, I'm not heavily invested on the narrative and the dialogue and the story. And if people are, if characters are speaking, then I, I don't need to really pay attention to what it is they're talking about. And the music that I'm playing also, it, it has to be of a certain type of music. And it always, for me, it has to be chill wave. And it's the only time I will listen to chill wave is while I'm playing a game. See, like, I get that, like, from, like, a mechanics standpoint, but for me, like, I'm all about the immersion factor, so, like, I find it interesting that there's so many people that, like, don't listen to the actual music in a game that they're playing, because, like, for me, it doesn't matter what game it is, like, I'm usually listening to the music for it. The only time I've really done that is when I've been, like, when I played, like, WoW or, like, Back when I played um, Unreal Tournament all the time, um, that'd be a really good time to just like toss on some metal and just like, you know, just get lost in what I'm doing instead of just like anything else. Just so it's like that's that's grind mode. Um, I I typically but, uh, I typically do it when I'm um, playing. Like the last time I really got into it, there's a period of time where I was really into playing um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And mm-hmm. I just throw some chill wave on and that would just like that locked me in, man. I just I just felt like time was no longer a factor. Uh, can I sidebar? I definitely real quick? had a couple of albums like that. I sidebar real quick. Uh, it was actually track three on that album. Yeah, uh, the uh, Guns of Summer. I'm just going to play the beginning of it. And this is where Chris Penny was allowed to go just full blown Dillinger skate plan on a Coheed and Cambria song. Honestly, dude, I, I don't think Coheed will ever sound like that again. Uh, and it's so sad because there's so much energy, so much energy in that, that like those, um, like the guitar and everything and the bass and everything this is riding on. Cause that just makes it just sound like there's just a lot happening in the song. Cause yep. you can just like, that's why drums are so important. Like, like you can't understate drums. Drums really give a lot of flavor in life like it, yep. uh, to whatever it is that you're doing. So when it's boring, it stands out. Uh, I mean, like, that's why, what, like, let's, like, think back to, like, the classic example of um, 
uh, you know, uh, what's that fucking song? Uh, Jack White and uh, is it Meg a White, White Stripes song? White Stripes, that White okay. Stripes song, yeah. Like Seven Nation Army or uh, yes, okay. My band used to like, play that one. I mean, it's such a. It's simple- a great. It is a great example of a very like you know like you were explaining before like straightforward simple. That's why it like clung, but yeah. it's also was like widely made fun of by like people that like like music and play music just because of how simple. When my band it is when my band played that song, so we did uh, uh, a couple of things with it. So one, I as simple as that song is, I used to love playing it. Because I could just kind of chill out and uh, kind of just sit back and go, you know, not like mindless, but it was just such an easy song to play. And then we would uh, segue into the, I think it's called, the song's called, oh yeah, Roadhouse Blues by The Doors. And we would, we would uh, and I'm not like a big Doors fan, and it, I really only learn that song just because it was part of the set and I just like the segue of going from Seven Nation Army into Roadhouse Blues and the the, the crowds who always played too loved it too uh, but uh, one of my favorite things too is on Saturday Night Live I, I'm pretty sure it was either Drew Barrymore or Heather Graham I keep thinking it's Drew Barrymore but they did a sketch with the whites it was like it was a white stripes sketch and I forget who's playing Jack Vaguely White. I vaguely remember this. I forget who's playing Jack White, but I'm going to say it was Drew Barrymore. Uh, Drew as Meg White, and she actually learned how to play the drums just to perform Seven Nation Army, like bits and pieces of Seven Nation Army. And yeah, it's like a very simple song, but the drums is not like... People just don't pick up the drums and get it. And she she figured it out and... and for picking it up just like in time to do an SNL episode. She was great. But that was just what it's just so funny. It's just think like think of like the white stripes and then think of like where Jack White is now. And his drummer his his drummer too is like with the solo act uh angles his drum heads away from him. <laughs> it's very bizarre, but that's just the way he plays. Lars would uh, be frothing at the mouth. No. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, okay. Well, why don't we wrap with this? Uh, it's a video I want to show you. It's, it has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. But this video showed up on a few different subreddits that I follow. I saw it on uh, Facepalm. Mm. and the video I think I know what you're about to show me <laughs> the video it's got a very simple title the video mm. is titled this woman trying to poop in a store mm. <laughs> so uh, I'll, uh yes uh, alternative alternative um, pooping so all picked up on a store security camera and there's really I mean you don't really need to give any background to this but uh oh, boy. but here we go here we go. I'm sorry about this, but... Use the trash can for what, ma'am? No, ma'am, you gotta get out. No. Can you pause it for one second? Ma'am! Because, like... 
the one thing that like I love just initially about this is that like before the camera really like the video starts, you can tell that she like is like sorry, I I I need sorry, can I use the bathroom? And she's like, oh, we don't have a bathroom in here. It's public, but like what? Like it's like she clearly did not like get a an answer. She just was like. So, like it's like I'm sorry, you know this is emergency. Like this is just something you do normally. You just go into the clothing store and take a shit in their <laughs> literal trash receptacle. <laughs> like like we've all been there, but like I don't think we have been. Can I please shit in your trash can? level of emergency and like just let's let's, let's play the rest of it because like okay. and this i just keep thinking many things this has to be like one of those like i mean it's a variety store i mean there's clothing here but you can also see a cooler full of uh sodas there on the left um but also uh you can't shit there yeah don't shit in the cooler um but no, that's uncool but also uh i don't know if like store owners have concerns that like people will go into the bathrooms and shoot up or whatever. But like, if it's obviously an emergency, like every establishment like this has bathrooms. If it's obviously an emergency, just let them use the bathroom. God damn. It's much easier to let them do that than have to clean up a mess. Right. And like, also just like, this really is like the human empathy test right there is like, would you really like imagine being in that state? We've all been in the same position before. It's like, fuck, I need to find a bathroom now. Like I need to find a bathroom like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> like this is a issue that is going to be an issue all down my legs <laughs> and on the sidewalk. And I need to find somewhere and, you know, it's a little bit easier for us when it comes to just, you know, number one. But you can't really be inventive with number two. There's no, like, socially acceptable way to shit in a not proper place. Like, besides, like, if you're, like, out camping. But, like, I hate the sidebar. But, like, thinking about it, like, there is really no other acceptable way to, like, have an alternative shit. There isn't. It's, it's always – it is always a bad – awful horrible story and situation when you have to have an alternative shit i keep pooping during sex good good example but apparently I'm glad i do not say he told them he had to poop mm. <laughs> had you to... have so many of these <laughs> apparently police say he told them he had to poop <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's uh, here it goes. This is just the start of it, by the way. Here we go. No, ma'am, you gotta get out. No, no. It, it's, it's like, ma'am, get out of this store. You're not using the bathroom in our trash can. Get out. Ma'am, get out of the store. 
I'm trying to be motherfucking nice. Now get the fuck out of the store. <laughs> I I feel that. I breathe that. I understand that. It's like this seems like in this seems like a metaphor for life. You know, <laughs> life throws constipation at you. Well, actually, in this case, she's not constipated. She's having the opposite problem. <laughs> like she took a laxative before she went in. Yeah, you know, this is probably why probably not a good idea to consume large quantities of spicy hot Cheetos. Or uh, uh, chili. Uh, I've never I've never done like uh, Frito Mac. Is that what it's called? Chili Fritos. What? I've never had that before. What is wrong with people? Yeah, I've never. I've. Uh, have you ever had it? No. That's, a, that, that's uh, like that's like an. Uh, that, that's a thing. That sounds like it would eviscerate my insides. That sounds like I would be in the bathroom for ten days. Yeah, it's consecutively. Just, it's literally just like uh, making chili and then uh, putting a big glob of it on top of a bag of like an open bag of Fritos. You cut the top off of it so you can easily access the Fritos and then you top the chili with whatever you like to put on top of your chili, like uh, sour cream, for example. So like I've I've made like I've had like veggie taco bowls where I just like crushed up some um, nachos Doritos in it. But like. That's like the furthest I've gone with something like that. That just sounds too much. It's it's a it's a thing. But uh don't eat it before you go shopping, I guess. Or at least like be cognizant of uh no no, no like, again know your exits. How about that? Know your exits. Like like just recognizing that this is this is not this is very common common understanding. There is no all like there's no socially acceptable alternative way for you to take a shit you have to find a bathroom yep if you're in a place and unfortunately while you would hope that store owners would have enough empathy um to let someone use the you know private employee restroom if they're having an emergency you know that would be one thing but, you know, we also don't know the backstory. You know, maybe this is like her eighth <laughs> time in the store this week. You know, maybe she, <clears throat> maybe she, yeah, I don't know, like maybe she's a regular in the store and she pulls this stuff all the time. Who knows? We don't know any of the backstory. Backstory. It could be anything. Backstory. Story down her back. Well, probably after being forcefully removed, I'm sure it would be hard to hold. Things. Oh yeah, and that's just like I was watching her be, be being like like moved and it's just like ooh yep, 
I'm like, there's so many moments in this video. It's just like, yeah, this looks like there's many points of no return moments. Like there's a point where they're just they're like, no, you got to get out of here because I'm, I've had a long day. I've had a long week. I got stuff to do this weekend. I am not cleaning shit out of my trash can. Like, no, you can't bag it up. What are you going to bag it up and take it down the street? Like, <laughs> where are you taking it? You're yeah. just gonna throw it away outside. One of like I don't know. Yeah, I People are very amusing. I guarantee you that chick was like mid explosion as she was being pushed out of the store, but we never saw that. So now she's outdoors for the world to see. But mm. uh, I mean, hey, she could be having like a medical issue. I get that. I understand it. But it's just so much funnier when her instinct is to I, just in the middle of the store here in broad daylight with other people here. Just like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna, I'm going to go for the trash can. I never do this. <laughs> I never it's do all that. right, though. <laughs> I'm not normally I'm one gonna... to shit in a trash can in the middle of a store during business hours, but yeah. thank you for understanding. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, oh, do you want me to double bag it? I can double bag it. <laughs> you know, right. I wonder if she asked her for a pair of pants. Because I would have just probably bought a new pair of pants after that. Hey, give it to her for free. God damn. I know. After all, that's that's a traumatizing afternoon. That'll that'll fuck up the rest of your day. Yeah. I mean, clearly, because like, you know, now it's immortalized forever since we're we're seeing it. And, you know, who the fuck are we? <laughs> Uh, well, Zach, thank you for uh, joining me in a discussion about uh, two related things, uh, Lars Ulrich's drumming abilities and a woman taking a shit in the middle of a store. Yes. But, uh, you, you know, the correlation couldn't be clear to me, Jack. I'm talking music as well in general, because I always enjoy doing that. Yes. All right. Well, uh, Zach, thank you for taking time out of your Friday night to join me in general. It's always good to see you and talk to you. Yes, good to be here. Um, and I'll definitely see you all next time. All right. And for the rest of you, thank you for listening. It's been fun. I hope you learned a lot. And if we don't talk to you before the holiday, I, I think we I think we might have one more episode in us. But if we don't, then... Uh, uh, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is you may celebrate. And with you, you, soldier boy up in this hole. Now celebrate you. That was awful. I'm sorry. It's all right. Mm. That's also not what I said. I, I said Yule for for all of the pagans. Where did Yule come from? Is that a pagan thing? We're at the end of the episode, Jack. We can't start one of those right now. <laughs> oh, you know how we do. All right. Uh, for the rest of you, we'll talk at you next time. Thank you for listening. See you. Bye. Goodbye. Feminization may not have happened.